We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I'm James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me. Fox 40s. Sean Cunningham. What's going on, Sean? Not much, man. Just uh, keeping cool. It's so hot outside. Milk was a bad decision. And uh, <laughs> that's an Anchorman reference, Brendan. Uh, it's with Milk Anchorman's was a with Will bad Ferrell. decision. I've seen Anchorman. I couldn't tell you the reference, to be honest. Oh, God damn Oh, it's when he's running down the street and he stops in a store and he's so thirsty and he grabs a big jug of milk. <laughs> Doesn't he take it out of someone's hand? I, oh, I it's possible that. he does. He he needs the uh, yeah. He he's so thirsty he has to have a drink. Yeah, See, like milk. fifteen seconds in, and we're already derailed. My fault. Sorry, we're already <laughs> derailed. All right, and of course, uh, Brendan Nunez from the Kings Pulse Podcast and the Kings Herald. What's going on, Brendan? Not too much, gentlemen. Uh, schedule came out today, so I guess get a little bit of a sneak peek of things. But that's about a. Uh the spiciest news that we're going to get this time of year it feels like it is it's it's kind of like we're at that point um okay so we're going to cover some business real quick um number one if you're watching on youtube give us a thumbs up give us a subscription uh the first time watching the show uh thanks for joining us uh give us a subscription um also the king's beat uh you know this is all part of the king's beat network so uh, jump on board with the King's Beat, and that's all down in the description below. Become a premium subscriber to the King's Beat. That always helps out. Uh, and then, of course, I'm going to just touch base on some weird stuff really quick because I like to be transparent and honest. Today is Wednesday. Uh, normally, we podcast on Tuesday and Thursday. I have been uh, working with Kenny uh, on ESPN 1320 all week. Um, so I've been sitting in this stool since roughly 11.30, and it's 4.11 right now. And I'm, as long as we go on the pod, I'll be sitting here. Um, but this is going to be the only pod this week, and that's because I am going in to have 
a procedure done on my leg tomorrow. Uh, just an appointment popped up out of nowhere. I was able to slide in, and I like being honest because I've already told you guys I got blood clots. This will uh, hopefully stop that from happening again. So uh, they're going to go in and remove a vein from my leg, um, but we'll, I'll be a little under the weather for a couple of days. So this will be the lone King's Beat podcast this week. We'll be back next week with our regular scheduled uh, Monday or Tuesday and Wednesday, I mean, the Thursday, Friday, that all the, all that good stuff. You, you um, don't need more time. You don't need more time. <laughs> no, no, they're going to, they're going to wrap sure? it from, uh, that like my leg really painful, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's cool. Kind of, they, they go in and <laughs> they it? cauterize the vein yeah. and then they go in and make slits in my leg and fish it out with like a, a knitting needle and pull the vein out and clip it. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. Hmm. Um, as long as I don't get blood clots again, I'm okay, and hopefully that will be the case. Um, Yummy. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, again, when, like this is a we talk about all kinds of things here on the King's Beat, not just basketball, um, but we do sorry. have basketball to cover. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, no, because uh, like, look, we're we're part of you're part of the family here. If you're watching the King's Beat, and so like to be uh, transparent, upfront, honest, all that stuff. Um, we do have the schedule that got uh, that dropped today. Uh, Brendan, do you have any quick thoughts on just your your overall what the schedule, if it looked fair or average or like a normal NBA schedule? Yeah, I'm curious to pick your guys' brains on this a little bit as people that have been around for longer and, and kind of seen more cycles of schedules and kind of the impact it has. But at first I kind of just roll my eyes at a lot of people. I feel like reacting to the schedule because I feel like it's easy to overreact. There's not much news going on this time of year. You're going to play um, the same teams, the same amount of times uh, based on what conference and such and such. But, you know, seeing that six game road trip, the Sacramento has the seven game road trip that they also have. And then like looking back on last season, and I believe they only had five game road trips and they had three of those. Um, but I think having those long road trips is probably the first thing that stuck out to me in this schedule. And I'm curious how outlier is that or is it an outlier? What do you got, Sean? No, no, it's definitely not. I mean, there's teams that, you know, have more than that. You know, you think of the gosh, when the Spurs and their rodeo, the rodeo road trip, you think of Eight the games. circus for, yeah, the circus for. I'm drawing a blank. Isn't it the Bulls when the circus comes to town? Like it's a it's a huge road trip that Chicago usually has every year. And no, I mean I think I, I think that the league has done a, a great job of not having a lot of those and trying to space it out a little bit better. And um, you just look at the schedule overall, and I feel like it's certainly favorable in the early part of the of the year. Um, you know, when you look at having you know we talk about how the kings being this like team that is going to be trying to vie for a playoff spot and maybe even a play-in tournament spot and um having to take advantage of home court which hasn't really been kind at golden one center over the past really existence i mean home court just hasn't been there i mean we've heard you know alvin gentry harp on it so much in this past season and this is a team that if you're going to be if you're a team that's going to be vying for the like you have to take care of home court it's imperative that you do so hopefully this is a year where home court advantage becomes kind of a thing at Golden One Center. Not to take away from the crowds. The crowds have been great. It's just the team hasn't responded well um, on their home floor. And then maybe it's a comfort level. 
I don't know, maybe they've got some pieces around there that are going to try to play with a little bit more pride. I don't know just how I, I, there's no real rhyme or reason. It's just maybe a comfort level that comes at home as opposed to being on the road where you're almost counted out not to win automatically when you're a team like the Kings. So, um, yeah, I don't think the length of the road trips, though, every team's going to have to deal with it, and some are worse than others. Um, I do, I agree with you. It's going to be those can be tough sledding, but I also think that early on, when you're looking at a training camp, and you leave once in preseason to go to Phoenix, and that's kind of like your neighbor, right? And then your next road trip is Golden State, San Francisco. You open on the 19th at home. You go to the Warriors a few days later. And then you're back at home. So, like, you don't leave the state of California in the regular season until you leave for Charlotte on the 30th. So, like, that's – you do have some stout competition that comes through town. Don't get me wrong. But you're, you've got three days to prepare for Memphis with a day off before Miami. Um, it, it, those are – that's about as favorable as it can get. And then, of course, it seems like the Kings are always home for the, for the holidays for some reason. And I know they've got that big one right before the holidays – um, I, I like the fact that 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 they're home they're home around the holidays, um, and that they can get a pretty big road trip out of the way before the holidays as opposed to right after. Um, I think a lot of times we've seen January start off with rather big road trips. So um, you know, players get family in town and they get uh, they're they're human like everyone else. And I, I think not having to leave I think can play into the favor because the second half of the season of the schedule, especially that February is, is kind of crazy. Yeah. I looked at this schedule early. And I think last season, the Kings went, I think it was 16 and 26 at home. That's unacceptable. Uh, they went 14 and 28 or whatever on the room, whatever the math is there. They 16, 16 and, and 25 at home and 14 25. and 27 on the road. Yeah. That's unacceptable. Like to to lose that many games on your home court, um, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like even when this team has been just completely horrible, like go back to the '90s, they they lost like what was it, 42 or 44 consecutive games on the road over a two-year span. They still won like 26 games. Like they they won a bunch of home games and there was a point where, you know, you couldn't hardly get in. You couldn't beat the Kings at Arco arena. And it just doesn't feel like this. They figured out how to like really create that atmosphere yet. And I know Alvin Gentry was so pissed about it last year, uh, but he's not the only one, you know, like it's, it's embarrassing to lose at home. And a lot of coaches have been upset about the way the Kings play at home. And I, I don't know what it is. It's caused that to be a problem. Um, if I'm looking at the schedule, um, like Sean talked about, they don't leave state of California in the first, uh, in October. So from the 19th to the 31st, well, I think the 31st they play, um, what in Charlotte, in Charlotte um, yeah. I was like slightly caught off guard by the weird breaks in the first week of the season. Like, why do you play on Wednesday and then have two days and then play on like Saturday and then have, uh, have a couple of days off. And like, it felt like they wasted a bunch of potential off days early in the season and then you get to march and it's like a big middle finger like the kings have 16 games in the month of march like you, you have a game more than every other day like it's it's wild and so i, I heard the the averages here for back-to-backs is like 13.3 or 13.4 the kings have 15 i'm not horribly concerned about that because 
uh, a lot of them come later in the season, and you know that kind of is what it is. The first six game road trip, I looked at and I went like, oh man, they're gonna get bombed. Like that's that's gonna be brutal. It's just it's a tough road trip. Doesn't matter who you are. They finish in Detroit by the by the time you get to Detroit. You've already gone through like a bunch of very good playoff teams all over. You have a back to back. Don't you have a back to back against Philadelphia, Philadelphia, and Toronto? Uh, yeah, I can you, run through it if you want. It's, yeah, uh, what do you got? It, it starts in Milwaukee, and then they get a day off before they go to Cleveland, a day off before they go to New York, a day off before Philly, and then a back to back the next night in Toronto before a day off and finishing in Detroit. Yeah, so like best case scenario, I would like if I'm looking at that objectively, two and four is best case, and that means you beat somebody. Uh, I, I think you can beat Detroit, but I think the problem with the Detroit game is it's at the end of a brutal road trip. So what if you're 0 5 going into Detroit and you're burned out and you're already starting to let go of the rope a little bit? Now, that shouldn't be the case because you got a new coach, you got new players, but it's also reality in the NBA. It's pretty brutal. And then when I look at the seven-game road trip, it sounds like the seven-game road trip is so much easier. You start with uh, like two games in Minnesota. You finish with two games in Houston. So I've never seen a seven-game road trip that's only five cities. That's kind of strange. Uh, Brennan, what is what are the teams in that one? Yeah, it starts in Minnesota. Um, they play two games there before going to San Antonio and then Indiana, New Orleans, Houston uh, twice. Yeah, so you can make up some ground there. And I even think after, if you look at their December schedule, they've got that brutal six-game road trip. They come back to Sacramento, and they have games that they can win all around the holidays, and they can kind of get some of those games back. Um, but th I think that's what you're going to see this team get tested early. And I don't know if they're going to be up to it early. Hopefully they will be. Um, we just talked about this a little bit on D'Lo and Casey. Sean, like, what is the break point on this team where you, you think we should know who they are? Uh, because, you know, usually it's like 20 games into a season, you kind of have an idea who a team is. Um, but this team, so many new pieces, so many new coaches and systems and everything else. I feel like maybe midway through the season, we'll kind of know who they are. Uh, maybe 30 games into the season. But where are you at with that? Yeah, and that uh, when you mentioned December in general, like, that's 20 games before you hit that clipper game on the second on the third I should say that's a road game and that's the that's the first of like I think it's eight of the nine games are on the road right there so that's 20 games in at that point and presumably if you're healthy yeah 25 games should be a great sample size to know what this team is I don't think that you'll get to a point where uh, you'll be starting making moves if things are not going well but I think what you will do is you'll have a healthy enough sample size and then you might adjust rotations depending if something's working or not you know and I used the example on uh with Kenny and James uh earlier in the day of of you know let's pretend they're starting Kevin Herter and that that's going pretty well whatever um but Malik Monk is still playing well off the bench who knows maybe you adjust your rotational minutes to be a bulk where uh, more times than not, you've got Herter and Monk on the floor together at the same time, depending with other lineups. Maybe you make an adjustment there. Uh, maybe you have a small, uh, a large enough sample size at that point, presumably if you do not trade someone like Rashawn Holmes, uh, to know what that looks like with Demonis Sabonis and, and whether or not that's working, and then you can make an adjustment. Uh, I think 
someone like Davion Mitchell, uh, I know Brendan brought up, you know, in our previous podcast about him possibly closing out games. Um, maybe you have a large enough sample size to see who he's playing with and possibility of closeout games there. So um, I, I think we will know predominantly what this team is like after 25 games. I think, you know, that old adage, I forget who said it. I know Dave Yeager quoted it all the time. It takes 25 games to know your team. I think that's true. I really do. I think that is true. And uh, the the weird part about that is if things are going really awful, you're still pretty far from the trade deadline at that moment. So, um, But you will have decisions to make, and I think that is a good way to look at it in terms of the 25, 20, 25 games. But I think if you're healthy, you might – you might need a little bit of a more of an extended look. Um, I also think too, just when you're talking about back to backs, like we're breaking down the schedule. We're actually breaking it down the way a lot of bad teams do. Like these are everything kind of works itself out eventually. Um, I think bad teams really, you know, really quibble over the schedule. Back to backs don't bother me, especially when you've got five of the home and home and then five away away. It's an equal number there. The back to backs that bother me is when it's, uh, when it's away, when it's home away, those are the toughest back to backs for Sacramento ever. Is the home away? You only have two of them. You can do a when you're coming from away home, it's easier because you're back on your home floor uh, on that second night. But when you have to go home away, change time zones, not sleep in your own bed, get into the some into some city at like three in the morning, whatever. I mean, I don't like to use make excuses because these are you know five star hotels and accommodations and travel and all that. So boo hoo, but. Those are the toughest, just they're all human at the end of the day, and those are the toughest road trips to make, and there's only two. So when it comes to the back-to-backs, I actually think, yeah, there's 15, but there's only two of those home-away varieties, and I think that's a pretty positive thing for them. They're both Utah, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, The second one, I mean, if ever there was a scheduled loss, I'll just circle the, the game in, I think it's March, right? So the Kings are on a, they go Chicago, Brooklyn, back-to-back on the road. They have a day off. They come back and play Washington on a Saturday. Then they fly from Washington to Utah for a game on Monday. And then at the end of a four-game road trip, which is a pretty tough road trip against what could be, you know, a couple of playoff teams. Maybe it's, maybe it's only one playoff team by that point, but we don't know. You got to fly home from Utah on the after a four game road trip and play the next night against Boston, and that to me, like I'll circle that. It's uh, March twenty first, and just say like, look, if ever there was a scheduled loss, that's it. That that one right there is going to be so difficult to recover from. Like teams lose after coming off a road trip, anyways. A lot of times in that first game back, just because you're still trying to get comfortable, you're trying to adjust to time zones and everything else, but. Um, but to face a great team after a four game road trip and after flying back from Utah, which is probably it's either Utah or Denver are the worst back to backs when you're doing a road and home back to back. Um, that one stands out to me. Is there, is there any other like well, the, dates? Go the ahead. ones, yeah, the, the home, the home and away, which to me I think are the worst actually play out really well for Sacramento because the home and away is uh, just right out the gate. You're going to go Clippers Saturday, the 22nd, home and then you're at san francisco so at warriors but you lose and you lose like two hours because it's 5 30 so that's not a bad trip at all mm-hmm. and then the other one isn't until later in the season when it's uh i had it right here you're home for portland on february 23rd and then you go to the clippers and again that's a 7 30 game on that friday the 24th so 
um, they're not bad. You're not leaving the state. You're not having to go to Denver, Utah, Phoenix, uh, even Dallas. I mean, those, yeah. are, those are pretty primarily where you've seen those in years past. So I think the league did them a favor there. It's pretty nice. Yeah, it's the two road and homes that are bad. Uh, Brennan, is there any other like anomalies or things that stand out to you? Just like that they play New Orleans three different times all late in the year, all of the Portland games, um, not all of them, but they do play in Portland or sorry, in Golden One uh, against the Trailblazers on opening night. But then after that, their three other showings are all pretty late in the year. And New Orleans and Portland are two teams that, uh, you know, Sacramento presumably could kind of be rubbing shoulders and comp- competing with this uh, play in spot. And I-, I think just the most important thing for the Kings this year, and this is probably the case with every team, but I think specifically with this Sacramento roster, is just like winning the games that you're supposed to. Because I don't really know how many there is. I, I think of the bottom teams in the East Coast, teams they'll only see twice. I think that you really need to take care of business. Like you talked about that Detroit game at the end of the seven game road trip, which is going to be a tough one. But I think taking care of business on the nights that you're supposed to win, because I think that's going to be a rare thing as a team in the Western Conference that's in the toughest division, like you're just going to have a tough schedule. So I think taking care of business on the nights when they're supposed to is going to be really important for this team. Yeah, I mean, that's always a problem with this team. Like you can never look at the schedule and say, oh, they should win this. Like we get back to Sean saying, never say should, never say could. Um, (laughs) Never Like no, you should never feel that way at all because that's who this team has been they show Um, you who they are yeah they show you who they are yeah and you know i'll bring this up too sean you've talked about that you've heard about rishon holmes the potential for him to start next to sabonis that's one of those moves that either works or doesn't and you should know five games into the season maybe you should know eight games into the season you'll be like oh this is never gonna work and so i i think there are situations like that with this team where we can start to see things early that may or may not work. Um, you know, I think early in the season, again, we might not see Keegan Murray for 30-something minutes a game, but by the end of the season, you would expect that he will start transitioning to a real starter role. Um, so I do think that there is plenty of, like, ability to move this roster around, the rotation around, even if it's, you know, heaven forbid, swapping Kevin Herter out for Malik Monk in the starting lineup eight games into the season or, or 15 games into the season because it's working for one and not the other or or one of them's playing extremely well and the other one's struggling, whatever it might be. Like, it, it does feel like this will be business as usual, even if it is a lot of rotational players swapping out. Yeah, I, I think, and I think... So, sorry, go ahead, Brennan. Yeah, real quick. I think early in the year, it's less about, in my mind, us understanding, like, what this team can be in the long term and in my mind more of like what should we expect outcome wise for this season and kind of changing the expectations around that because I think that there's a pretty high ceiling for Fox and Sabonis but they could be a complicated fit and making these other guys fit all around as well and seeing what growth you've seen from guys like Davion or Metu or is Holmes going to work there as well so I think that if we come to realize in these first 20-25 games like you guys were sort of mentioning that maybe this little bit of a test process and culture building process isn't going to result in the most wins right away. I can kind of alter my expectations when it comes to, to play in. And that doesn't mean there's no progress without the play. in. I do think that should be the ultimate goal, obviously. But I think the beginning of the year for me is more about expectations this year, rather than showing us a glimpse of what this like long-term core can be. Cause I think it'll take a while to figure out how to optimize all that. Oh yeah. I completely agree with that. You know, I think that you're in the, uh, 
I don't want to be vulgar, so I'll just say you need to you need to show it. You need to you need to you need to show it. You need to show right away that that at least the core or the people that you've invested in uh, are capable of doing it. There's none of this waiting game for any of them anymore. Um, to the point of like starters too. I know God, so many people just focus on starting. We get it. Like a lot of the good teams tend to have their starting lineups uh, be their bulk lineup, bulk minute lineup, and that just doesn't always. It's not always the case for all thirty teams. Um, I think if you have, um, I feel like if you have a, a starting rotation, that's great, but it doesn't have to be your bulk rotation. Um, we've seen that in years past. We've seen successful teams do it. Um, so, you know, I think what they start doesn't end up being the bulk rotation, if that makes sense. So um, I, I think those are part of those 20, 25 games that you're going to get that out. And just the other anomaly too, guys, like I, I just, we haven't mentioned it yet. I, I know I think I've mentioned it briefly February is weird, man. Only three home games, and it's against two opponents. And I know you've got the trade deadline and All Star break right in there. February is just a weird month for for the Kings. Like we're, we're not gonna, <laughs> from a from a media standpoint and from a fan standpoint, you're not gonna be able to see your team at home very often in that month, obviously. And uh, it also coincides with just kind of a weird, funky time during the season because of All Star break and trade deadline. And then how about the Warriors? Like. You get three. You get them three times, like right out of the gate. Uh, you'll be done with Chase Center in November, and then you don't see him again until the last game of the season, which I think is a bit of a disappointment because that's your fan appreciation night. And the Warriors, if presumably if everything goes well for them, they're probably going to be resting guys on that game because um, <laughs> things were probably already going to be figured out. So could be a, a, a good win for the Kings, maybe a must-need win for the Kings. So that could be a good thing. Uh, but it, you know, you know, sometimes you like to see some of those battles, uh, in, in those later games just for fun. So, um, yeah, it's kind of weird that you don't see them until the end of the year after being done with them in November. Yeah. There's a couple of things that stand out to me. Uh, the final 20 games of the season of those final 20 games, 15 are against teams that made the playoffs last year. Uh, not all those teams will be as good as last year. Some of them will be better. Are you uh, including so... play in tournament? No. I didn't no, even include playing okay. just just playoff just teams. Playing, so yeah. of your final fifteen games, and it's an even split. It's uh, 10, 10 at home, ten on the road. So that's a good thing. But still, that's that's really really difficult to finish off the season that way. So if you think that the Kings are are looking great and everything's going super, you know, spectacular, and then they get to the end of the season and start uh, like trudging through and struggling in the final twenty games. A lot of it will be scheduling like they're especially coming out of March playing all those games. Well, like a lot of those 20 games are in March and that's that's just a really, really tight schedule. We talked, I think it between uh, October and December, there's only four back to backs. And then Sean already talked about they don't really play that much in, in February. So there's a lot of back to backs in March it's going to wear this team out. So if they're not ready to roll, if they're not cruising already, that's going to be a really, really tough month. And I've always said, like, I think that this team will push through and try to get the wind no matter what. This isn't going to be about Victor uh, Wemignana. Uh, it's going to be about the play-in and the playoffs the whole time. Uh, but you could also see where if the writing is on the wall and you can't get there and you know you can't get there, and it's not a season where 32 or 34 wins gets you into the play-in. Like, the Kings don't even have an excuse. Uh, they, they, it's already built in. They can just lose the games they're supposed to lose. 
in the final 20 games of the season. And you could probably come away with, you know, six and 14 or five and 15 without even trying. Um, so that last stretch is going to be difficult. And you, you know, Sean, you bring up the fan appreciation night and the warriors where you might be able to get a cupcake win, um, like right at the end of the season, but then they finish with Denver. And if it comes down to one game, like Michael Malone ain't letting them in. Like he, he's doing everything in his power to stop them from getting in the playoffs, even though his boy Jody Fernandez is on the other side. I could see that being like a battle royale. I don't see him like shirking the game and, and <laughs> benching six guys and letting the Kings roll over and, and just pick up a playoff spot. Well, and it could be such a monumental night that the Kings need both of them. And think about it. The other, I'm trying to think with rose-colored glasses here because maybe there's positioning in the West and you've got Denver and you've got Golden State and maybe both of them have to uh, position for maybe the one seed or the two seed or something like that. So could be uh could be interesting uh, the way that finishes out. But if it all goes, I think, the way we anticipate it to go, that – those two games may not may not mean much for at least uh, the Warriors and the Nuggets, but mean everything for the Kings. Yeah. Question for you guys. Around where, if you feel like you can guess, do you think that Keegan Murray hits the rookie wall? Oh. Hmm. Do we know that? It's a I mean... six-game road trip, like 25 games into the year. End of December. Yeah. yeah. I... Well, or mid-December. I don't think I see that. Yeah. I think it's... Um... If he hits a rookie wall, I think it'll be January. And then it's possible he bounces back from the rookie wall, but then finds it again in March. Like the rookie wall will come back to haunt him in March. So we even saw that with Davion last year where he hit the rookie wall clearly at one point and he refused to acknowledge, oh, no, no, it's not that. And then you saw the rookie wall smash him again. I mean, an 82-game schedule is is almost three college seasons. And... It's, it's a lot for these guys, especially when they're young and things aren't going well. Um, or, you know, even if things are going well, their bodies just can't hold up. Um, so they, they start running into this, like, monumental moment where nothing nothing falls. I mean, I, like Tyrese Halliburton hit the wall hard. And, like, climbing over that wall, it's, it's not, it's not a, like, some made-up thing that, that reporters talk about. It's, it's actually something you can track and you can look at. Like it, very few rookies get through a season without having at least one or even two or three lulls. I don't know that I can look at the schedule and, and pick that out. Like I, I, I don't think it always happens on a road trip. I think it's, um, I think that's something that you kind of look at and someone just goes, oh, oh, it's, this is a terrible road trip. That's probably going to happen there. I, I, I don't see it that way. I think it's maybe one of those ones where, kind of like March, where you have a lot of. Um, home and away in a, in a, or maybe more like in November where you're going and, and obviously if he's having a wall in November, that's not a good thing, but you're going, you know, home Cleveland at LA home for three, you know, home for four, I should say, then you're back on the road for three where it's a little bit more flip floppy. I don't know, but I, I will say for, for the thing I looked at in January where that week of going Orlando, Houston, Houston, uh, that's almost like summer league, man, like, like that. I'm, I'm excited for, for him in particular to go up against and these are all at home, Bancaro and Jabari Smith and have those type of games all in the, in a, in a week's period. And then if you fast forward to the next week, OKC comes to town. So like from like a pristine lottery 
pick uh, programming schedule, I looked at January and went Orlando, uh, Orlando starting on January 9th to ending on uh, January 20th. That stretch of games to me, I think, will be very, very fun because you're home Orlando, home Houston, home Houston, at Spurs, at Lakers, and then home OKC. So hmm. I, I think that could be – I hope he's not during a wall at that point because I want to see some of those matchups and I want to see them happen And because I think – I think we're you know we're not it's it's no secret I think all three of those rookies Bancaro Holmgren four I should say Jabari Smith and Keegan Murray all four of those rookies are going to be are going to factor to being quite you know bulk minute players so whether they're starting or not I can't wait to see those matchups apparently the world wants to see it they're on ESPN yeah man like which is crazy like the the Kings are on ESPN because of Keegan Murray you know not to over like I guess that's my Tuesday overreaction that's an overreaction. Like, it's on there for the lottery matchup. You know, that's just – it's so funny to me that, like, if I had to guess what is the one matchup that Sacramento – they're going to have one nationally televised game, and you told me before today, who is the opponent going to be? Houston well, probably got, would have been, like, my 27th guess. The the audacity of you, sir. You are like these other fans who don't incur, who don't count NBA TV as national TV. Um, first was of that, all, was that, that is national TV. Was that a surprise to you that they got five games? I mean, if you count the ESPN and... Yeah, and you should. You have to count both. But if you're taking away the NBA TV and you're only counting just the lone ESPN appearance with no TNT appearances, then then no, you shouldn't be necessarily surprised because that that always happens. But there is flex. Here's what I'm worried about. There's flex programming, just like in the NFL. So uh, let's create a scenario where... You know, both teams are trash by that time that game comes up. Or maybe Jabari Smith or Keegan Murray are hurt. Hopefully they don't flex that game out, but you're right. I think they I think that they wanted to show that matchup for sure. I, I, I do see that. But I think if the Kings play well, particularly through those twenty five games, you'll have more opportunity to add programming. And one could be a TNT game. Who knows? That would be fun. Um but Look, I think the King, the Kings aren't worried about it. You know, they're going to want to see it. Uh, if they can pick up games along the way, outstanding. I think that's that would bode very, very well. But, um, man, fans don't like to count NBA TV, and that is national TV audience. It is, It does count. It's not the same as ABC, TNT, and, and ESPN. I get it, but those are, uh, those are national TV appearances. It's not the same because the games are also on local – they're on NBC Sports California. Right. So, I mean, that's that's why I think some people consider that. It, it's kind of a weird area. But I was surprised to see five, like total. Were I you? didn't expect them to get five. Well, what did they get last I, year? I One? mean, I think people are going to be intrigued enough about, you know, the shooting that they've added around Sabonis and Fox. I think there, I think there's people who are intrigued about Sabonis and Fox. And then you add a, a heralded rookie like, like Murray, who's, you know, the MVP of summer league. Like there's a little bit of a, there, there's obviously some hype there that, and people are going to want to see it. He, he, you know, they're going to want to see how that, that, that factors in for sure. And I think there's a big promotional opportunity there for the Kings to kind of make, especially if it bodes, if it turns into success, if it, you know, that first month, if things go really, really well, they need to kind of throw a lot of attention behind uh, Keegan Murray and prop that up because that'll get a lot of eyeballs on your product. All right, let's get to Sean's favorite part of the program. <laughs> Tuesday overreactions. Um, 
we look at the schedule. Uh, like, did the Kings get jobbed? Because, like, I, I, there are some, I mean, it's just, it. Uh, that's what a lot of fans, oh, I can't believe this, I can't believe that. I mean, to me, like, the biggest points of the schedule are the six-game road trip. I, I think a bunch of teams have six-game road trips. Um, every but, team will have a six-game road trip, right? I'm, I'm, I'm I don't sure know. If you Last year, every... they didn't. No? The Kings had, I think they had three five-game road trips. Is that what it was last year? Yeah. They didn't have a six, and they certainly didn't have a seven. Um, so, I mean, the six and the seven, but the seven game, like, you could go five and two in that seven-game stretch. It's not that brutal. The six, that one's tough. March feels like you're just piling on but uh like do you think the uh, we've been around this team forever sean uh, you know i remember zebo just going they don't eft us with the schedule <laughs> like <laughs> this schedule is the worst schedule i've ever seen that's what he said um uh, but yeah well, that what, was, what, remember that was matt barnes matt barnes said who gives a shit about the king scheduling <laughs> yeah they just all look at it like what in the f like this is the worst schedule i've ever seen and i in zebo like not in defensive Zebo, but like something I think Zebo missed was that he's in Memphis, so flying to the East Coast, flying to the West Coast isn't nearly as bad as flying from one coast to the other. Uh, so like I don't think he traveled nearly as much because he was kind of in the middle. Yeah, no, there's I don't think there's any reason to look at the schedule and go and and, and feel like you got jobbed. I just don't. I don't personally. I think. Like I said, there's some uh, there's some oddities in there. I think I think February is definitely an oddity, and and March could be a little bit stout. But at the same time, man, like it all it kind of evens out. Like whether it's top heavy or bottom heavy, like it's still 82 games. Um, I think covering the NBA as long as I have, players kind of like the routine of playing every other day. Like they that's just something that they can kind of get behind as opposed to. Here we're gonna play a back to back. Now three days off. Now, you know, three and four nights. Those are the ones that really bother players. Is when it's a three and four night situation, especially with how the traveling works. Like those are the tough parts. But everything else, I look at the schedule and I don't really look at it and say, "Oh, what was the Kings?" Like this is. I think it's pretty on par with every other team in the league, primarily, and they all have to deal with it. It's eighty-two games. You're on the West Coast. You're playing later at night. You don't have to play as early. You don't have to get up as early. Like there's it, traveling back east can be a tough thing, but once you're there, most of your east coast trips are typically all in the same region in the same location at the same time. Meaning you're staying in the same time zone uh, over the course of a week. So at that point, it's it's like anybody else who has to travel for business. So only with better accommodations and better money and better <laughs> cookies. <laughs> better cookies. Yeah. Yeah, I think that with the Kings, like I said earlier, being in the Pacific Division and just all those games against the Suns, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, all really high-level opponents and being in the Western Conference, just the nature of it, like they were going to have a fairly tough schedule, I guess, compared to the other teams in the league. But I think it would have taken a lot for me to look at a schedule and been like, oh, man, everything is everything is screwed. Like the Kings are getting gypped here. So I feel fine about it. Um, I'm interested to see with some of these, like, national tv games and nba tv i guess can fall into that um how much the players step up in those moments um i I think it's intriguing like i wonder if that makes a difference the nba tv versus espn to some of these players and the way that they kind of step up and embrace that moment too that's an interesting thought brennan 
like I didn't think about that about being on a stage that they haven't been on. Um, I also like what Sean said. There's a possibility for them to get flexed out of half of those games. Um, I think the last time they had an NBA TV or an ESPN game, they got flexed out really early, um, just because everyone kind of, eh, well, that's not gonna, this isn't gonna work. Um, yeah, so I think it, it's gonna be a, a bit of a like a fluctuating situation, like a fluid situation throughout the season, especially if they if they do figure out a way to be quality. I think they have an opportunity to be fun, and fun teams. Um, usually get like a little bit more exposure, and and oh, I also sure. yeah I also think it's really cool that two of their games, two of their if you quote unquote nationally televised games, are before the uh, before All Star. So if you're playing well, um, you want those viewers watching, so people will vote for you or people well, you know, again, like more people will be watching, like more executives will be watching, other players will be watching uh, to see how your team is looking. And so I think that's a, a way that, you know, you might get a stronger look at an all-star nod for one of these guys if they're going to get there. Or Keegan Murray will get, you know, a little bit more acclaim uh, heading into like rookie uh, rookie challenges and, and potential rookie of the year voting and stuff like that. So so it's good. It's good to be on TV. It's good to be on national TV, whether it's ESPN, TNT, or uh, or of course NBA TV. Um, Mitchell Mitchell and Murray should be a lock for Rising Stars. Like, to yeah, me that's that has to happen. For them. Well, and Brendan thinks Keon Ellis is as well. <laughs> um, he'd be the first two way ever, right? Would, I don't think yeah, we've seen that two way. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be a, 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 an interesting turn of events? That would mean that everything has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> and that's not to bash Keon Ellis. That's saying that like you had major injuries to Herder Monk and Terrence Davis and and then it's like a clear breaking uh break glass in case of emergency. The uh the Rising Stars challenge is a little triggering to me after what happened with uh last year. Why? Didn't Sean, didn't Sean get a sit down right before? Uh, oh, with, oh, yeah. With Tyrese and Davion to talk about the Rising Stars challenge. And, and then the next day. Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous interview, I might Ooh. add. Um, had nothing uh. to do with the person asking questions because it was all had to do with with uh, Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton. But yeah, I'm literally walking around. I was like, all right, don't trade them. Don't trade, don't trade either one of them. And then the next day, Tyrese is gone. So. Yeah, um, if that tells you anything about what happened in that transaction, like media relations literally set up so Sean could have an interview with the two guys that were going to Rising Stars. And it was it was like a week early, right? Because they were about to go on the road, so they tried yeah. to give us they tried to give us those guys like a week before because we weren't going to see them before uh the Rising Stars and before All-Star break. And then <laughs> as soon as you got that interview done, it was like, oh, like 14 hours later, he was gone. And just the chemistry that they had. I mean, if, if anyone's seen it, I mean, it's not even my station. I'm at a different station now. But if you haven't seen that interview, you, you should go watch it. It is it, it just the you see the I mean, it, to me, it was the moment where the Davion Mitchell we know and love now in terms of his personality, like he kind of came out of his shell a little bit. He was so much more fun. Like even I'm looking at him like I've covered you all through summer league and training camp and early part of the season and this is the most personality we we, we had seen and it, and him and Tyrese going back and forth with each other and the strategy of 
you know, getting to play against each other and they're on different teams and how Davion wanted to foul out to show that he was, you know, really trying and showing the league that he really competes. Like that's the mentality he had. And Tyrese just thought that was absolute nonsense. So, um, yeah, it was, it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of, and I, you know, Tyrese gets to come back this year. Um, and we didn't mention that like the return trip, I think is, what was it? The third, uh, January 30th, something, no, November 30th. What do you, yeah, what day is it, Brennan? Cause I know you, you've got that working out for a tattoo as well. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up here. I guess it's the Wednesday, 30th Wednesday. November. Yeah. November 30th. So, and, and again, like if you remember, I made note of this too, earlier in the day, uh, Sabonis didn't return to Indiana last year. Mm. You know, he was hurt during that time or suspended. I forget what happened. Like there was something that happened and he didn't was get it to the make baby? the trip. It was the baby. Maybe it was the baby. The baby. Um, the baby. The baby. But yeah, he gets he gets to go uh, February third, Friday, February third in Indiana. He'll make his return trip there, and I think that'll be a kind of a special moment there for him. Okay, does what kind of reception does Buddy Hill get? Because I'm in the same game. Uh, I think I he think gets cheers. He should get cheers, uh, but there'll be a lot of idiots that boo him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Buddy ever did anything like wrong i mean he asked to be traded but quietly during the off season <laughs> right but i mean like quietly during the off season i mean i don't think he was a horrible distraction i think a lot has been made about like the, going into the season with those two players but again that wasn't their decision uh you know buddy like literally probably had already packed his bags and was getting like a, a new grill or something to go down to la and go join the lakers i mean he was all excited um and then that thing fell apart so like you think he'll get he'll get cheered i think he will i think the primarily will be cheered but i think there'll be a lot of booze and i think it's just because you know unfortunately he was just a very frustrating player and he represented a time that i mean again you (laughs) traded demarcus cousins for him you know and so i think people always wanted him to be more than what he was and Hmm. he's just buddy man and you needed buddy to play to be like your second best player and you paid him to be like your second best player. And it's, he, he can't be your second best player if you're going to be good. So, you know, just is what it is. Yeah. yeah the, the end of buddy healed, I think was frustrating on the floor, but I, I think that I would hope that Kings fans can like, just appreciate the amount of years that buddy gave them. And, you know, he's extremely healthy and active and available out there and, and was going out there almost every single night. Um, one of his, best qualities you know best ability is availability right but he'll definitely give you that one so i don't know i think there's a lot like that year that they won 39 games buddy might have been the best player on that team like buddy definitely had a lot of good moments in sacramento and and hopefully those are kind of at the front of people's minds even though the end wasn't the greatest yeah i mean buddy's the all-time leader and and made three pointers in king's history um you know every single season you know, even last year he played 81 games. The year before he played 71 and 72 game season, 72 and a 72 game season, 82, uh, 80. Like he, I think he missed a total of four games his entire career in Sacramento. Um, yeah, he was always ready to go, uh, and he worked hard. I, you know, I, I don't think he should get booed. Like you know, he, you know, Tyrese won't be. I mean, Tyrese can have the loudest ovation that this building may have ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. He he's gonna get a, a huge ovation. What about when uh Marvin Bagley comes through? Oh god. 
Well, you'd think he'd get booed, but remember, James, he got he got cheered the night he came into the game, like on the second, the first home game, I think it was. That's true. He got the standing ovation, and it kind of shocked all of us because I thought that came at a really odd time with his with his agent and everything like that. I, I would imagine there's going to be some booze for Mar- for Marvin. Yeah, I think so too. And that we also had the moment where he refused to go in the game. Yeah, I mean, dude, that one's more understandable. For one, you're a bust that didn't work out in Sacramento, taking two overall. Get that. We always say it's not your it's not your fault, right? But it you're, it you're hurt. It, I mean, it was a bust. I mean, it, it didn't it didn't work out in Sacramento. And then you've got, you know, other things beyond your control, your agent, your father. But then, like, you know, you didn't do yourself any favors the way you did on social media. And then I'm sorry when you don't check into a game. Game on. Blue-collar town like this. Yeah, man. Like, you're, you're, you're toast after that. So it's, not, it's nothing you can't survive from, but you got, tra- you got traded. So, yeah, now you're going to get probably loudly booed. Like, you might get OP booze when you come into Golden One Center. I think Ooh, it, I, Spencer Hawes get, booze. Jason Terry booze. I think Jason, Jason Terry, Terry booze. Yeah. Those are, those are some people don't forget. Yeah. Brennan's like, who are those people? What did Jason Terry do? Didn't want oh. to come to Sacramento. Well, no, no. He got traded to Sacramento he, yeah. at the deadline as a salary dump. He asked to be let go. They let him go, like cut him two days later and just let him have a buyout. Then he went on radio in Dallas yeah. and talked trash. And fans, I mean, that was even like early stage social media and fans heard it and were not happy with him. And he got booed. I mean, if he walks in the building sometime this season as an assistant somewhere, which I I don't know if he is or not, that dude's getting booed. He might need security. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, Okay. We had a, um, we had a loss in the family this, uh, this week. Um, like uh, on Monday, as I was preparing to go on with uh, with Kenny on ESPN 1320, it was uh, it was announced that Pete Carrill had died. Kochi, um, 92 years old, lived a incredible life. Uh, you know, was a head coach, uh, coached at Princeton for 50 years. Um, almost had like so many different lives. I came to Sacramento, was in Sacramento for what close to 10. Uh, he was Jeff Petrie's mentor from Princeton days uh, and became a mentor to so many here in Sacramento. Um, I know that, uh, you know, Doug Christie and him were super close. Jerry Reynolds and him were super close. Him and Jerry would walk all the time uh, together when they're on the road, even when they're in Sacramento and they just got out of the office when walked in the parking lot. Uh, knowing Doug the way I do, Doug and Pete Carrill, I uh, had a relationship all the way up until the end. Doug would call Pete all the time, pick his brain, talk to him about basketball in general, um, and credits him with really teaching him how to play the game of basketball. So uh, really, really amazing, amazing character. Uh, a lot like Scotty Sterling that was around the Kings for a long time. Um, just Sean, I, I know you were around him quite a few times. I, I interviewed him uh, a couple of times. He was a wild card, he, like, and they didn't want the Kings. Never wanted him getting interviewed because he said whatever was on his mind, and he didn't hold anything back. What do you have a, a an amazing Pete Carrill story? Oh man, um, I mean, you look at him. Everyone always would always say Yoda, like he was, he, but yeah. it was true. Like, like even Webb would always call him. He's like, he's our Yoda because that offense, that Princeton offense, and you see that it still exists in the NBA. The Warriors try to steal from it. 
um, they've, they've adapted that into their culture and, um, it all, it all began with him, you know, and it was, uh, it, it was just always funny to me cause you could have the most candid conversation. He shot you straight. I think both of us tweeted that, um, about what a straight shooter he was. Straight and shooter. Just the guy was hilarious. He had a, he had a crazy sense of humor. Um, I used to love the fact that I could, we'd have this, um, not is it two way glass, James? Where you can only see yeah, one it's, way, two way no, glass, it's one way glass, it's one, one way glass. One two way, way would yeah. be we would be able to see both sides, but yes, two way glass. Oh yeah, I mean, so we could right. see one them; way. they right. couldn't they see couldn't us, see which us. is where the Hassan so Whiteside like flexing story comes from. Like Hassan an interrogation thing. Yeah, yeah, the guys yeah, would yeah. Come over and look at see if they had any bats in the cave, you know? Or Hassan <laughs> would sit there and flex. Like in front of a mirror, in front of a mirror, which is like the media is literally standing right on the other side. He's like looking straight into our soul, like flexing. But anyway, go ahead, Sean. One one thing I do sometimes just to amuse myself because I find people so great is you know you're in a mall or supermarket and you see just an odd couple or or some people talking and I like to improvise the dialogue that they might be saying to where only I can hear it or maybe the person next to me and I would do it with Kochi all the time because. Uh, Pete Carrill standing to, next to the likes of like Willie Colley Stein or, you know, Ron Artest or Brad Miller, just these polar opposite type people, you know, and then you see them having a conversation and I just come up with the most random sophomoric things like, oh, maybe they're talking about the, the conquests that they've, they've each had in life, you know, in, in, you know, in the bedroom or whatever, just like, oh my God, it's the most inappropriate thing you could possibly do. But it was a source of great, mirth to myself and some others around me and i he i told him about him he's like oh yeah one time and you know he would kind of just go off on something but it was it was always it was always uh, fun and 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 lighthearted. and all my interactions like that were with him were that way but he was also a basketball genius and me not being one i didn't belong in those in those discussions but you could see those discussions being had and just the you know everyone holding him to such a great high position when it came to the game of basketball and and, and just life life you, you're you listen to doug christie talk about him and just you know he he can he'll he'll, he'll just go on forever about the life lessons of coachy that, that he that he took away from coachy so um i know 1140 when doug was on 1140 he and jason had an interview with with pete carrill last year uh and that was appointment radio for me i went and listened to it twice it was a great conversation him and jason ross had and uh if you haven't heard it i'd definitely definitely recommend it you know i'll say one of the um my first season was a a random team i mean they had samuel d'alembert and they drafted hazam whiteside and demarcus cousins um they also had like the only big man that could defend the pick and roll was darnell jackson um, so you had all these other guys that were like getting all the minutes and he was the only guy that was actually effective on the defensive end. Um, but, uh, I remember D'Alembert came over to where we were standing and told us on Whiteside, Hey, uh, Koshi wants us to come over. He wants to show, uh, he wants us to work on a move. And his on Whiteside's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and D'Alembert who, uh, you know, again, Sal- Samuel D'Alembert was, was a gem to cover. He was a tremendously huge individual. 
He also like he's got like a seven five or seven six wingspan, and he talks with his hands, and so he's like go go gadget, and he just keeps going like bigger and bigger on you. Plus, he speaks with a French accent because he's uh, like French Canadian from Haiti. Um, but uh, he kept saying, "Hey, uh, no, I-, I need you to come out there." And Whiteside finally said, "Fine, I'll give you ten, like ten reps." And you see. You see these two gigantic men, like, like literally they won't fit through any doorway in your house. Like a, a normal doorway is six foot eight. These dudes are both over seven foot tall and they're, they walk over and this little tiny dude who shuffles his feet to walk is literally putting on a basketball clinic for two gigantic men. And it was just this weird dynamic to watch. They were both staring down at him, just enthralled with his conversation. What he was saying was sticking. They were listening. They would do the drill. Someone would pass in the ball. They would do the drill. He would reset it. He would explain why they were doing something wrong and go back to it. It was just really, really crazy to watch because it was, you know, the dynamic of basketball is it's a tall person sport, but that doesn't mean that you can't have like an an incredible imprint on the game without being tall and what he did at Princeton where he used, you know, not the greatest athletes in the world to create a dynasty for decades and decades. And it was just excellence of basketball. It was the beautiful game. It was exactly how basketball is supposed to be played. And it's by teaching whoever was in front of him the right way to play. And that's something that Doug will tell you. It was always about the right way. You're not making a cut to make a cut there's a very specific reason why you're cutting and the speed of your cut and there's a reason why you do a behind the back pass so chris weber was known for these crazy behind the back passes those were things that they talked about that were part of what they wanted because that's what that was the right play and there's all of these things that doug has taken in to his teaching that come from pete carrill so really an amazing man um you know he he lived a very very long life and uh, I feel, you know, love out to his family, but also the King's family because, you know, guys like Jeff Petrie and Rick Adelman and Doug and Bobby and Vlade and Peja and Hito, uh, uh, Pete Youngman, th- this was their family member. And so, uh, you know, uh, uh, RIP Mr. Pete Carrill. Um, all right, so uh, we're not going to go super long today. Uh, again, I've been sitting in this chair for... Um, going on five and a half hours, uh, which is not a good thing and probably why I get blood clots. Uh, say that's not going to be good for your operation tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, let's, let's do the thing the way we always do. Do we have any, we're not going to, the business of basketball was Pete Carrill. Uh, so I'm not going to dive deep into the business of basketball, but, um, do we have any final thoughts from you guys? Brennan, what do you got for us? Um, I really liked Sam Merrill at the time of the draft. I don't see a spot for him on the roster, um, okay. but yeah, that's, I don't know. Sam Merrill is an intriguing offensive player that I would be shocked if he made it, but it'll be fun to watch in training camp. Okay. Sean, you got any final thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I won't get into too much detail, but I'm going to give a big shout out to Mike Wagaman. I don't know if we want to put his, his, his info out there, but he's going to be missing a little part of the season. We're going to give him all the uh, best wishes in the world. He's an AP writer who covers the Kings pretty regularly and a lot of Bay Area baseball. And I know um, 
our friend Cameron Salerno from the B will fill his shoes for a little while, and hopefully we can get him back by December. But if you have, if you know Mike or uh, or Wags as we call him, send mm-hmm. him all the positive vibes right now because he can certainly use them. Okay, um, and of course Wags is the uh, the guy that we always joke around about the Bing Bong thing. <laughs> so anytime they played, you know, they did the Bing Bong when people uh, miss shots. Wags would sit behind us and start laughing. <laughs> Bing bong. You, you loved it more than anyone. James, so you saw you hold on, I wanted to get to this. You saw you saw licorice pizza. Did you like it? I did like it. Like I yeah. it's um it's a good one. It's a good one, but it's very different. There there's clearly an awkward theme going on in the entire movie. Uh that it, I think it was it's probably really hard for people to get past. Um, but, uh, overall, like if you just take it for what it is and you can actually kind of take that aspect out of it. Um, that aspect, there's a couple of little aspects you have to ignore, but there are a couple yeah, seventies. Um, yeah. Like they kind of go back to what might have been somewhat okay at that point, which I'm not sure it still was. Um, but, uh, definitely, I, I mean, as far as a movie goes, I, I really liked it. It's yeah. um, it's the type of style of movie that I do like. Like slow it down, uh, tell a story, um, but, develop but characters. It's very. It's. I mean, it's funny. It's there's a lot of wit and charm to it. And mm-hmm. one of the things I like there's. I've seen it. Uh, I saw it in the theater. I've seen it twice now. Um, and uh, I just. I know it was up for you know all these Oscars and everything like that. And I, I really enjoyed it when I saw it, but. Watching it the second time around, I even liked it even more. A lot of Easter eggs, a lot of little nuggets uh, hidden throughout, a lot of cameos that are pretty impressive. So okay. it's on my what to watch. Go watch that. Yeah, it's on Sean's what to not, watch. And I keep telling not people, for everyone. watch The Offer. The Offer is like phenomenal. My wife is now watching it, and we're, so I'm watching it again. And it's really, really good. It's on uh, Paramount. Um, and then James is going to have a rant. I, like we joked around about this beforehand, but... Um, I didn't think we were going to get to it. Yeah, no, yeah. No, fired I'm gonna, up. I'm gonna go. rant. I'm gonna rant for two seconds. I'm oh, like, here we go. I, you know, like first of all, like there are groups of people that like don't like what I tweet or what I say or on the radio or on pod, whatever. I don't really care. Like I've been doing this a long time. I have pretty thick skin when it comes to that stuff. But somebody said on Twitter the other day, I'm not gonna call you out by name, um, even though. Like one of the things that a pet peeve is when you write my name, but you don't tag me in something until it's much too late. And then you're like, oh, I probably should tag him in this if I'm going to talk some trash. The thing that bugs me is that someone said that there that I have created a narrative that the Sacramento Kings cannot trade their first round pick until 2028. And I'm just... I'm dumbfounded by this because to me it it gets down to like some pretty basics of the salary cap and like look as of today they cannot trade a first round pick until they can't trade anything but their 2028 first round pick. They can do pick swaps. They can get to the end of the season draft a player with their 2023 pick and then trade that pick. They can do. They can go to Atlanta and they can ask Atlanta if they would like to uh, loosen the pick, the change the pick restrictions from the 2014, 15, 16, uh, 2024, 25, 26 
uh, like or just remove them the protection yeah or just remove them um, but to like say that I'm creating a narrative that they can't they cannot as of today without going to Atlanta and asking Atlanta to work with them they cannot trade a pick until 2028 it's not a narrative it is the truth it is the way that salary cap works it's the way the stepian rule works they can't trade their 2023 pick because they potentially could lose their 2024 pick they can't trade the 2025 because they could potentially lose the 2024 they can't trade the 26 because they could potentially lose the 25 it's just the way that it is and for someone to think that that you can just call up Atlanta and just pull pick restrictions and that that's okay. There's a reason why there, there are pick restrictions in place. It's because the Kings were never going to trade a 2024, 25, or 26 unprotected first-round pick for Kevin Herter. And they can do that, but the only way they would do something like that is if they have some God deal that they're going to give up a bunch of other picks to go do there is no reason why the Kings will give up those pick restrictions because that's what protects them from the Kevin Herter trade being like a B, B-plus trade in most people's eyes to a straight-up D. That, that becomes a bad deal if you give up a first-round pick, an unprotected first-round pick. So look, it, there's no such thing as a narrative in this situation. It is what it is. And I'm confused. <laughs> this is what got you pissed off? This, this... I'm this pissed because people, no, they like go at you like, oh, he's making up some narrative. And then someone chimes in, oh, it's because <laughs> he clearly is pissed because uh, the Kings don't let them in the building. So he's taking it out on Monty McNair. <laughs> and it's like, the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? Like, seriously? How many times have I said on this show on D'Lo and KC that Monty McNair did enough to get a, a an extension he should have an extension anything other than that is ridiculous walking into this season how many times have i said that i don't this is there's something that's lost on this completely it's we're we still have the same sources and activity that we've always had the only thing that has changed which you the listener and the consumer of king's basketball should be angry about is access Access has changed, and that's not a good thing for any of us. That's where bad things happen when access is limited. That's the only thing that I've... I don't hold that against Monty McNair. He's completely rebuilt what's happening here, and I can even tell you, I don't even think it's Monty McNair's decision to cut access. There's a huge difference between access and the actual basketball and what he's done. Those are two totally different things, and... Kings fans should want as much access as possible because it's literally the three of us that are on this podcast and like Jason Anderson that ask any questions. That's it. That's all the people that ask questions at your media availabilities. You want more media availability that you want to see more of Kings basketball and not always a cut up uh, like Kings.com version of what's happening. Like oh, no, the Rose run's pretty Kale- cool, man. I no, the run has been cool. No, I, I get you. It's cool. It was but you understand what I'm saying. Like, no, if that's Brendan, all your you're going to get, if all you're going <laughs> to get is Kings, 
kings.com, then we all lose. And that includes you, the consumer. So no, there is no narrative. No, I don't, I'm not holding some weird ass grudge against uh, Monty McNair. I, I think he deserves an extension and I think he's done a very good job. Do I agree with every one of his moves? No, that would mean that I'm a sheep and just like getting herded and uh, no, I don't can, agree can you, with all of his moves. Can you knock over a table real quick just for us, yeah. just for effect? I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, Five hours straight of, of I'll, I'll go. audio content is the limit apparently. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go full uh, Rudy Gobert on you and just slap the mic. But I, I mean, sorry if I'm ranting. That's why I'm ranting. Okay, Brennan, go ahead. You can digest my. You can, like, you no, understand. I, I kind of want you to keep going. Like, I feel like we're just witnessing the debut of a new King's Beat segment, though. It's just going ham. Where going King's ham? Put subtweeters yeah. in his place. Yeah, like I, the subtweeting thing is is annoying to me, um, but at the same time. Like, that's just ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, if you don't understand the dynamics of it, which that's not the point. The guy does understand the dynamics of it and still wants to say, well, you know, and they shouldn't even address this roster, assess this roster until the end of the 2023 season. Okay, at the end of the 2023 season, Harrison Barnes is no longer under contract and is no longer an asset. That's why it matters right now that you can't package Harrison Barnes with multiple first-round picks without first going through Atlanta and begging them and giving away an unprotected pick in order to get your some of your picks back. So. I don't know who this person is, but uh, the the amusing thing to me is I just like to see you all riled up. Um, yeah. So, but I I just I of all the things to harp over, I didn't think that would this guy must have this person must have come at you before, right? Like there's, there's oh no I don't a, know I don't know oh no this Probably was a one off I don't I don't really care like yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was yeah. <laughs> that one that was a one-off like that that one tweet got that in oh no he had a thread no it was oh, a okay. thread yeah it was a thread like it is what it is like what I, are you drinking there oh iced tea oh darn okay yeah i got back to school tonight uh my youngest is now a freshman in high school yeah. so he hears worse shit on a daily basis oh, than yeah. what you saw on that twitter thread oh yeah 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 no yeah, i just yeah. i just I don't get it. Like there is no narrative. There is no one out to get Monty McNair here in Sacramento that I've run into. Like, good maybe luck. In the, maybe maybe within the league, possibly. But yeah, I can't. Uh, I, I don't see anyone. See now, Sh- Sean's thrown out there. Know. There's league wide oh, conspiracies to, yeah. to get Monty McNair. <laughs> oh, it's fun, man. There's a, it's now there's fun. a thread. Awesome. You should all right, tag well, this person. I want to see this person. I don't know. Who this eh, it's is. fine. It's fun. It's just like the you know the guys that that make comments down below. No, it, we need it, to make sure that you're in a in a in a zen like piece before you go <laughs> under the knife tomorrow. We can't have you spiking oh, just, here, so. Yeah, bring it back. Yeah, down. you're gonna go lounge spiking on your the boat. blood pressure. You're gonna go lounge on your boat after the uh, maybe with the beautiful family and yeah. Do I've that. got I've got Valium to take tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh shoot, there we are. Party Someone's on. gonna drive me to and from. Oh yeah, I don't even think they're knocking me out. Like yeesh. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But it's better that I get it done now as opposed to my previous date, which was October 19th, which just happens to be the start of the Sacramento Kings regular season. I All right. Um, you guys are done? No final thoughts? I Brendan looks like he's itching to say. I like your aquarium, no. Brendan. Can we talk about your new uh, Zoom setup here? 
Yeah, I'm uh, staying at my grandparents and helping them out while they're on vacation. And there's an aquarium going on behind me, as Sean pointed out. And that's all I got to talk about. Is there nice more that floral... you'd like to talk about? Yeah, is the, Molly the, the, there? The piece? Molly is not with me. Uh, I have a friend with staying us? at my oh, place. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I thought you were about Sweet. to share bad news about Molly. No, okay. no. Good. All right. Well, hey, look, uh, it's going to be crazy hot, so stay safe. Uh, Sean has got high school football starting up, uh, which is just going to oh further like confuse our scheduling and everything else. Uh, only one podcast this week. Uh, if you're still watching at this point, uh, give us a thumbs up. Uh, give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe. Subscribe to the King's Beat. Do all that stuff. We will have a King's Beat off the record with the King's Beat virtual happy hour coming up. Again, it kind of got knocked sideways because I have to go in for uh, uh, for my minor procedure. Uh, and, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, hopefully, it, you know, it, it all goes well. Um, so for Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham, and, of course, Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse Podcast. Uh, I am James Ham, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Thanks for listening to the King's Beat Podcast. See you next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.